0: Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we get to hear sexy inspirations through hot stories and hard stories and stories with delicious deviant details, all shared in an effort to create a world where taking care of each other is the norm. Our guest today is a 37-year-old straight monogamous black dude who is currently in a relationship. He is into feet, anal, subdom stuff in a rather vanilla realm. We're going to get into details. A project manager from Berlin, Germany. Welcome, James.
1: Hi there. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. I cannot wait to hear your sex stories. I'm excited. Can you tell our listeners today on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the most full of shame and one being the least, where do you fall today?
1: Between a two and four. Okay. It's really depends on how much trust I have with either someone I'm discussing sex with or someone I am actually having sex with. And familiarity really makes a difference for me. Okay. If something is new, we're getting to know each other. I definitely have more shame than, for example, with friends. Like, I know all my friends naked. <laughs> that's, that's not a big deal at all. We discuss anything, but we can only do that because we have that connection. And um, once that connection is there, very little shame. Got
0: it. Okay. And can you give us a little snapshot of what your sex life is like right now?
1: So right now, my sex life is different than it usually is because of the whole pandemic situation. Because my girlfriend moved in with me during the pandemic. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, so we were together for a couple of years before the pandemic hit, but we would see each other about three days a week, and we would have sex three days a week. Now that we live together, we kind of have a sex routine. It's kind of crazy to say, but what happens is both of us work a lot, and both of us are working from home at the moment. So usually... Monday to Friday, we're really stressed out, and maybe we might have sex once during the week. For example, yesterday in the morning, we woke up, my girlfriend was horny, and she just pounced on me. So that just happened. But we kind of have Friday to Sunday. In that period, I cannot tell you how often we have sex. I can just tell you, from Friday evening to Sunday night, we're fucking. Ah! all the time.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Honestly, that's like definitely one version of my partner dreams cuz I'm so I'm single and I like my main lover being a married person who has his own life because I'm like, okay, now I can focus on my sexy mission and do all of my work. But I hear like, oh my god, that desire. Ugh, I would love to spend weekends fucking or like like just little I have so many dreams about like getting Spanks for work breaks or little makeout sessions in between. Do you guys ever do that? I'm getting into details, but I just am really curious.
1: The thing is, we have a really great sexual relationship with each other. <laughs> so there is never a moment when we're not all over each other. Yeah, we work in different rooms. And then I might just pop in and say, hey, you want a cup of coffee? <sighs> then I'll make her a coffee, come in. And we might make out a little bit. I might like Anytime I pass her, it's just, that's just our thing. Anytime (laughs) I pass her, I'll just fondle her a little bit.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's literally (laughs) my dream. she does the same thing. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay. Oh, I love that. Okay. Before we get into more about this relationship, take us back to your early years. When do you first remember hearing about sex? And what do you remember feeling and thinking about it?
1: Okay, so that's kind of weird because... I am an absolute movie nerd. And that just happened because my parents are also movie nerds. And so from a very, very young age, I was allowed to watch whatever. Like, they did not care what a movie contained, how much nudity, how much sex. I could watch anything as a kid. So I have earliest memories of being, like, maybe five years old and seeing people having sex in a movie, but not really understanding what's happening. Yeah. I just knew that it was something that grown-ups did. It was weird to me as a kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. The funny thing about the situation is, my parents back then, because they have changed, I have to stress back then, were really conservative. Okay. Like there were no discussions of sex whatsoever. Oh. So absolutely nothing. So the way I found out about sex was movies. And then as I got a little bit older here in Germany, there are certain magazines for teens mm-hmm. that will also always have certain pages that are about sex. And so that was my main source, like because I have I have older siblings, I'm the youngest and my older siblings always have these youth magazines that would always have a couple of Pages dedicated to sex, okay. sex questions, body image, stuff like that. And me as a little kid, like six, seven years old, I would just sneak into my siblings' room, steal their magazines, and just go through the sex pages. I only cared about the sex pages.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: and that's how like from magazine to magazine. From movie to movie, I would always discover something new. And I was really curious, but Mm -hmm. I knew that I could never ask my parents or my siblings about that. So it was always something that I would do or that I would explore by myself. And then in later years, obviously, I would talk about sex with friends. So that's that's basically how I got to know about
0: it. Okay, And were you talking with friends Like just at school, did you ever get a school sex ed lesson and and or did you ever learn anything about consent?
1: Okay, so two things about that. First, sex lessons, then consent. So the sex lesson thing is I went to Catholic boys school. So that was like the most conservative school you can imagine. And the biology book had and I am not lying exactly six pages dedicated to sex. And the whole topic was, let's say, two or three biology classes. That's it. Whoa. Yeah. So it it was like a super Catholic school. Okay. Okay. Super Catholic boys school. So uh, that was definitely not a source for me. And then consent, on the other hand, consent is something that was important to me at a really young age, like in hindsight, a way too young age, because as I said, I was allowed to watch whatever, because my parents didn't care. They said, hey, watch whatever movie you wanted to And I have this memory of, I can't even tell you what movie it is, because I don't remember, but I must have been maybe six years old. And there was this movie, it must have been some type of thriller. And there was a depiction of rape in that movie. And that scene traumatized me. Mm. I had nightmares after seeing that. And as a young kid, I knew that what I saw was wrong, just as wrong as something can be. So it was ingrained in my thought process that touching someone else or getting intimate with someone else was or always needs to be something where you have explicit consent yeah so yeah i mean now i can say thanks to that movie consent was a huge topic for me very early on but as a kid i was just traumatized wow. i was seriously traumatized. yeah
0: did you ever have conversations as an older person about consent or how did you kind of or was it just in your young person brain and you were like i will always ask i will always make sure because it's a big topic
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So my first sexual experiences with a partner were also not really that consensual. So that was the next trauma. I just always felt that I never wanted to be in a position where I am lacking when it comes to making sure that whoever I am getting intimate with, whoever I'm having sex with, really wants this to happen and is enjoying themselves yeah that is just super 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 important to me
0: so before we get into that partnered experience were you touching yourself at that point had you discovered your own pleasure yeah okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) hell yes (laughs) i started touching myself at a very very young age i do not know when but i do know how i woke up let's say i was maybe 6 years old and i just woke up one morning and i noticed that it really felt good the way the bed sheets rubbed against my penis mm-hmm. and it was just this unknown but new and very pleasurable feeling that made me intentionally have the bed sheets touch my genitals and i just started doing that I didn't know what I was doing exactly at that point. I just knew it felt good.
0: Yeah. So you felt good. Did you ever start using your hands? Like how did it progress for you? What did it What did your masturbation habit turn into?
1: So there is definitely for lack of a better term, masturbation evolution in my life so after discovering that the sheets felt good against my penis I just started doing that and I enjoyed doing that and I just knew it was a private thing I didn't go anywhere and tell someone hey listen I'm doing this and it feels good I knew it was a private thing so I kept it to myself I was lucky to have my own bedroom as a small kid so I could wake up in the mornings and just enjoy the bed sheets okay so what happened was I must have been around 7 or 8 years old and I was still doing my whole bed sheets against my penis thing and something came out of the tip of my penis mm. I knew nothing about ejaculation and all that stuff I was just a kid enjoying the bed sheets and just a little droplet came out of the tip of my penis and I was Terrified. I thought I had destroyed something. I just I I didn't know what was happening. So that was definitely a moment where I was more confused than anything else. Yeah. And that's when I stopped rubbing against the bed sheets. And I tried, I just kind of experimented and tried to find other ways because I didn't like that experience where something came out because I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. So, I tried lotion. So, I tried lotion because I, I felt okay, if rubbing the bed sheets against it feels good, maybe using lotion and rubbing my hand against it will feel good. And it did. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so basically, that is how I started masturbating. I was okay. quite young, and masturbation to me always meant lotion in my hand and moving my hand up and down, and it just felt good. As I got a little bit older, something new happened again, because the first experience was that little droplet that came out, and the next experience was that I reached a certain point where it stopped feeling good, and it started feeling overwhelming. Still, I had no idea what an orgasm was, but I started having orgasms, because Until that point, I was just enjoying the feeling. I just enjoyed how it felt. But then I realized, okay, something's happening here, and it makes you feel a certain way that you can't keep going on. So that was new at that point. And obviously now I know what was happening, but back then it was also a little bit confusing. And that was the point when I started talking to friends. Mm. At first, very hesitantly, I was like, hey, do you know about this thing, touching yourself? And then, I mean, uh, talking to other friends, I found out that it was a normal thing. That was good to to find out that it was normal and that everybody did it in a slightly different way. There was no right or wrong. That was reassuring as well. And then obviously through the magazines that I went through, like the, the youth magazines, masturbation was very often a topic. What I enjoyed most in these magazines were the questions. Like there was always a double page where there were just questions. And obviously a lot of those questions were questions I had. So yeah. that's how I learned a lot. And that's how I, I learned more about masturbation.
0: And where in that journey, if you can remember, did you stop? being afraid. I assume you're no longer afraid of things coming out of your penis. When did that kind of click for you?
1: So I definitely found out through one of those magazines that it was normal that something came out the top. Yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, And now can you walk us through your formative partnered experiences and include the details that kind of shaped you into the sexual being that you are?
1: Yes. So I, as a kid, was always very tall and never looked my age. So when I was 11 years old, I could easily pass as a 16-year-old because I was really tall and I didn't look like a kid. But I was a kid, like 11 years old. I enjoyed sports, obviously. I enjoyed playing with my Legos and all that stuff. But I was really curious about sex. At that point, I knew a lot from magazines and movies and all that. So I I had some solid knowledge, but it was not that I had the desire to have sex at that point that hadn't developed really. But as I mentioned, I was playing sports at that time and the sports team, I played volleyball. So the sports team had this kind of tournament that took place in Spain. So my entire volleyball team went from Germany to Spain and we stayed there for one week. So everyone from the team um, stayed at a different Spanish family. So basically, they adopted us for that week. And um, so there was a culture program. Obviously, the tournament took place. And it was a whole planned week. And during that week, it was not only a boys tournament, but also um, a girls tournament. So ages, I think, 10 to 18, maybe. And there was this one... Spanish girl that somehow was interested in me because obviously there was a team from Germany and I was the only black kid on the team. So she took an interest in me, um, maybe second or third day. And apart from thank you, I knew no Spanish whatsoever. She knew just very, very basic English and obviously no German, but still somehow she signaled, that she would like to spend time with me. I was just uh, happy that someone was interested in me because I am um, back then, even more than now, a very introverted person. Mm. I don't, I don't approach people easily. So I was quite happy that she approached me. She was smiling all the time and very happy, and we kind of communicated with our hands and gestures. And I felt flattered. Yeah. During that week, we just she took me. To see her friends and her family and people were just talking over my head i had no idea what was happening but i just i mean it, it was a cool situation so then one evening what happened was that i think i forgot to mention that she was six years older than me oh wow and one evening what happened was we were at her place in her room at her home and i honestly cannot tell you what she was telling me, but I do know that she was asking me questions about sexual experiences and whatever. So obviously she kissed me and then she started touching me and I was quite overwhelmed because I didn't know what was happening really, but it didn't slip into my mind to say anything like stop or or give me more time or anything. I just felt like okay, this is happening, okay, so this is happening. She knew what she wanted, I had no idea what I wanted, I was more confused than anything else, but what happened was basically she, um, we got naked, we were kissing, and then we basically went through all the bases really quickly, and she knew exactly what she wanted. So she would motion, do this, do that, and that's how it happened and afterwards i didn't feel great about it but i was just confused about the yeah. whole the whole situation it was it was just a weird situation because it never did it pop in my mind to say no or let's go slower it was just this situation where this beautiful older girl was interested in me and she wanted to have sex with me so yeah i guess i needed to Let it happen. That was my thought process.
0: Yeah. Wow. Were you able to speak about that to anyone? Or it sounds like you lived in an environment where you mostly kept things to yourself.
1: I didn't speak to anyone about it because I I felt a certain sense of shame about the whole thing. Mm. So I just kept it to myself.
0: Wow. How did that affect your young sexual being going forward?
1: I feel that the consequences of that one situation really stayed with me until i matured to my my early 20s because oh, wow. what happened after that situation was i really didn't want to have anything to do with sex um anymore i still enjoyed it with myself that yeah. was that was one okay. thing because i was in control and i knew what i liked and what i didn't like so that didn't change anything But that experience really messed with my, for lack of a better term, sexual confidence. Because the next time I was in a situation where I was about to have sex, my penis did not work. It Mm -hmm. simply did not work. Mm -hmm. And it really didn't make a difference how aroused I was. It was just there was something, there was something in my head that did not allow me to get a full erection, and have sex. Yeah. So I'm speaking of many years of sexual frustration because that situation, it happened once, and from then on, it was stuck in my head. Anytime I was about to have sex, the only thought in my head was, please get hard, please get hard, please get hard, oh, please get no. hard. And obviously, that doesn't work that way. Yeah. yeah. So many years of frustration followed.
0: Yeah, that's like just a repeating anxiety loop. Exactly. What, how did you break out of it? How did you calm your nervous system enough to be partnered again?
1: So reading helped a lot because from very early age, even as I had no idea what sex was, I was really <laughs> interested in sex. So at a certain point, I graduated from uh, youth magazines to books, and i would just read and just educate myself about sex as much as i could what happened was that the more i read i just realized that it is not normal to be able to have sex at any time and to be a dude that has a super hard dick all the time i just realized hey listen this is how your body works in nine out of ten cases You will not get an erection because this is just manifested in your head. Deal with it. And once I realized that I just need to relax, I just need to realize that it might happen or it might not happen. That's when things really got better, because I would start my sexual encounters with a disclaimer and I would say stuff like, hey, listen. The way my body works is there's a 50-50 chance that we will have sex tonight. It might not work. I just want to let you know beforehand and we can still have a lot of fun without penetration. So that was my shtick. That's how I just handled the situation. And so I had good experiences and bad experiences with that. I mean, obviously, I have been with women who are like, what the fuck? Like, uh, what's wrong with you? But. At that point, I didn't care anymore because I knew how my body works. I knew what is healthy and I knew that it was not healthy to always have that thought in my head. Oh, my God, I need to be rock hard now in order to have sex. I just thought it's going to work or it's not going to work. Deal Uh, with it. Yeah,
0: I am so glad you turned to books instead of pills. Like, I am just so glad I was just listening to an interview this morning with brene Brown, Oprah, and a guy named Dr Perry and they he and Oprah have written a book that is about trauma and they literally were talking about what if we shifted the frame from what's wrong with you to what happened to you and so just hearing you utter those words I'm like yes and and talking so much about trauma that comes in all ways and and the little ways that we don't account for it and then just how it can build into the rest of our lives and so I just want to like Take a moment to honor the fact that you listened to your body and then figured out what it needed. And the fact that you were able to say to your partner like, hey, here's what happens. How did you have the level of confidence or certainty? Is it just from reading or what other experiences in your life made you able to articulate that?
1: So, I mean, I might have just breezed by and said, hey, that happened. But I'm talking about a time span of several years. Like from that one experience when I was 11 to having the confidence to say, hey, I know how my body works and this might happen or it might not happen. um, That was maybe when I was 21. Got it. So there was years of sexual frustration, years of really bad experiences. Mm -hmm. And just during that phase, I reached a point where I just told myself, I do not want this anymore. I do not want to be afraid of not being able to perform. I am who I am. And anybody who wants to be with me needs to deal with this. Yeah, that was uh, the solution for me personally. And what's really important is this is my personal experience. I cannot say that this works for everyone, but Mm -hmm. it worked for me.
0: Beautiful. Do you want to share any specific experiences from that time frame? That maybe included hardness or not hardness or oral stuff, or just kind of get into the specifics of some of those experiences as you reached 21, and then we'll kind of go from there.
1: Yeah. So I don't want to say that it was an immediate consequence of that experience when I was 11, but until I was in my mid 20s, I never had a sexual partner that was my age or younger than me. So all my sexual partners until that point, were either slightly or significantly older than me. Mm.
0: Did they tend to pick you or did you pick them? Or was it just sort of a spontaneous combustion?
1: It seems to kind of just happen. Okay. Because until my, let's say, beginning of my 20s, I always looked much older than I actually was. Okay. Yeah, so um, that maybe also played a part. And um, yeah, when it comes to the negative experiences, it was just countless situations where I just felt the pressure to, to perform at a certain point. And really, when it didn't work, just being met with kind of disappointment or even disdain. I can't tell you how many such situations I had. But there were quite a few Mm -hmm. like those situations really, really messed with my confidence. Yeah. So it was kind of this downward spiral where I already wasn't very confident sexually and then having these negative experiences. Back then, I felt like everything was just going downhill. The way I work is I, I have a certain tolerance for negative vibes and at a certain point. I just decide I don't want that anymore. And Mm. then I will try to find a solution. Mm -hmm. And for me, that must have been maybe around 18 or 19 years old where I just said, hey, listen, at this point, I just know how my body works and I'm going to try to proactively explain myself and either I will be met with positive vibes or negative vibes and I can't control what other people are going to do. I can just control how I feel about myself and I like myself and I'm not going to determine my self-worth by um, my dick working or not.
0: Beautiful. Did you go down on any women in that time?
1: All the time.
0: Tell us about that.
1: That was my go-to move because obviously it was always... Kind of tricky with having full-blown penetration, like sex. So my first sexual encounter, I went down on her. That is something that I really enjoy doing. So it's not like I felt that I needed to compensate or something yeah. like that. I really just enjoy giving head. Yeah. I just like how it feels. I like giving pleasure. Like, if, if I die today, I like giving pleasure. Could be my motto, I think. <laughs> Oh, so I really, I really enjoyed giving head. And I, I still do till this day.
0: Can you give us this specific physical details of what you enjoy?
1: So what I enjoy most is the feeling, just the feeling on my lips. It's just like every single vagina is different. So yes. putting my lips on a vagina that I haven't been in touch with before is always kind of a discovery every vagina tastes different every vagina smells different so i don't know there's there is a certain sense of excitement and i really enjoy that discovery finding out what really works because everyone is sensitive in a different way somebody might like to be sucked really hard somebody might like just to be licked or maybe some fingers added, no fingers added, and just that discovery, that exceeds only Like Just yeah. sex in general, I really love the discovery of what a sexual partner likes and also dislikes, because everyone's different, and I feel that the best sex is when partners just move towards each other. I feel talking about likes and dislikes is really important. That is like one of a fundamental piece of my relationship at this Mm. point. Mm -hmm. Like we, we actually have scheduled sex talks.
0: How often? You do? Oh, my God.
1: Yes. So every three months. Great. We have our scheduled sex talk evening. So my girlfriend and I just get naked. We lie down on the couch. We'll open a bottle of wine. We'll just put on a music playlist. And there might or might be not some substances involved. And we just enjoy hours and hours of talking about the sex we have with each other, um, what we enjoyed in the past weeks, what we didn't enjoy, what we want to have more of, what we want to have less of, because it changes. I, I don't believe anyone wants to have the same sex all the time. You need to switch things up. You need to spice things up. We use our our scheduled sex talks just to find out what we're into at the moment, what we want more of, what we want less of. And it is, I mean that, honestly, it is really therapeutic.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Oh my God. Jumping back to exploring each new vagina you meet, would you also talk explicitly with your mouth and words with those partners? Or was it more of like a trying something physical and checking in as you were getting to know a person?
1: So that absolutely changed as I grew older. Back Mm. then, it was, oh, okay, let me try what I read up on in this book or this magazine. So I was just experimenting and trying things. I didn't have the confidence to ask a sexual partner what she wanted, what she enjoyed. Very often, it was more or less that situation Okay, I need to know what she wants, so I'll just try stuff and and try to find out whether she's enjoying it or not. But it didn't even occur to me that it was an option to talk about mm. sex before actually having sex. I mean, I was young and dumb. Yeah. And, and 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 now talking about sex is equally
0: as important
1: as actually having sex
0: yes. to me. Yes. Yes. Same. Well, obviously same. <laughs> <For> me, <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed. I also want to hear if you can speak to this. What was the experience of having, it sounds like deep pleasure from going down on a partner in your body at the same time as like some penis anxiety?
1: It was weird because yeah. even though I really enjoy giving head back then, the only thought on my mind was not mm, I'm enjoying this right yeah. now. It was only, oh, okay, maybe five more minutes of this, and then she's going to expect us to have sex. Yeah. So that was, I mean, it was not good. There's no other way to put it. It was just not good. Just as I matured, as I just not only grew older, but also wiser and and and, and just had more and more experience, I realized that that was not the way to handle things. Yeah.
0: Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health, but if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises, and the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Juice tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. What about blowjobs?
1: Okay, that's a weird subject for me because... I really do enjoy blowjobs, but until now, I have only come from a blowjob three times in my life. There's just something about me not being able to like 100% relax and let it happen because every now and then I'll just have this little thought pop up like, oh my, you're taking too long. Let's do something else. It might be too exhausting for her. So I haven't yet figured out how to just enjoy, how to just receive pleasure because I enjoy giving pleasure so much. And I really don't feel that me getting off is as important as my Mm -hmm. sexual partner getting off and enjoying and having pleasure. Getting off is even too much. Orgasm is not, should not be the main goal of having sex. You need to enjoy whatever you're doing. Yeah, so I have a hard time coming from blowjobs, but I still do enjoy them. Yeah. I have in the past had situations where sexual partners have become angry with me because I didn't come um, oh, okay. and, and would expect me to come after a certain time. So that's yeah, kind of tricky.
0: Yeah, I,
1: I can relate. But I can say those three times that I did come from a blowjob were awesome, <laughs> like really awesome. I have no idea what happened but not only am I an introvert but I'm constantly thinking and analyzing so I have a hard time just enjoying things just letting things happen so what I did when I was younger that in hindsight that is really stupid but when I was younger what I would do after certain frustrating experiences I realized that when I'm having sex and I am intoxicated, it's easier for me to just enjoy and let everything happen. So also my problems with getting hard occurred less and less if Mm -hmm. I was intoxicated. Mm -hmm. So like maybe when I was 17, 18, or yeah, let's say no, rather 19, I just made that connection. And I started, if I would go out on a date, and I knew, OK, maybe we might get intimate. I would just make sure that I have a certain level of intoxication because that would guarantee that I could have sex and I could enjoy it without thinking everything through all the time. Obviously, that is a really unhealthy thing to do. And mm-hmm. it is definitely not a solution. But back then, that was my quick fix. Mm hmm.
0: hmm. And I think it's also important to say for you, for your personal physical body, how intoxicated, because I know also at a certain point, penises stop working when the intoxication levels get too high. You know, so it sounds like maybe there's a happy medium. I'm a little bit
1: different when it comes to that, because I have never experienced not getting it up when I was really, really, really drunk. Like when I get absolutely... Oh, this sounds so wrong, but I have to say, when I get absolutely shit faced, I can have sex for hours.
0: But see, this is the stuff that we need to hear from different because everybody is different. Yeah. And so that's yeah. why I think it's so important. Like you said earlier, like this is you, your story, your body. That's it. Wow. Okay, because I know a lot of dudes talk about whiskey dick, and I just am curious how that works. Okay. So
1: whiskey is my favorite drink, and whiskey. Works, wonders for Your whiskey
0: dick is very hard. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Okay. So as you started figuring yourself out, what else did you discover that you loved about sex?
1: So beginning from age 21 until I think like mid or end of 20s, I was always in a relationship. Mm. And let me say sexual turning point was a book I read that was called, I I still have it in my bookshelf, it's called Wild Thing by a guy named, he's American, uh, Paul Joannidis is his name, I think. And this book, I don't know, maybe 500, 600 pages is just this manifesto of enjoying sex without shame. If you view this book from today's standpoint, a lot of things are obsolete because I think the book was written in beginning of the 2000s or something like that. But it was just this manifesto of enjoying sex without shame, exploring sex without shame. And when I read that book, it was not so much that I discovered new stuff, but it was just this perspective of whatever you're into, it's okay. It's okay. You you do not need to be ashamed for your sexual preferences. Mm. And that book was a turning point for me because it gave me this new energy, this new sense of, hey, I need to explore. I need to explore more to find out what I like and what I don't like, because how else am I going to find out unless I try? So until my mid-20s, the relationships I was in were rather vanilla. So there was... Not much openness for experimentation. It was mainly just the usual, hey, couple of positions, don't put it there, don't do that. (laughs) So there was not much exploration going on. So obviously, I was very into my girlfriends at that time. So I just felt that, okay, this is not the time and place to explore. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to respect my partner. I'm going to respect my partner's boundaries. But there was this curiosity there. I knew that I wanted to try stuff. And I always tried to make it a topic and try to say, hey, how about we try this or how about we try that? but I really wasn't able to explore as much as I would have liked to Mm -hmm. until I did meet my then girlfriend when I was in my mid-twenties. And she was more open than partners in my previous relationships to explore stuff. And we would just try things, explore, try to find out what we enjoy, what we don't enjoy. And that was actually the first relationship where anal sex wasn't just something that we would maybe try once a year and see whether or not it works out. But it was a fundamental part of our sex life Uh because she was into it. I was absolutely into it. And we enjoyed it so much. Like we were together for four years, I think. And in four years, we actually had phases where we would have exclusively anal sex for weeks and weeks just because we enjoyed it so much. Whoa. And I mean, when it comes to anal sex, communication is key. Yeah. So just to make sure that everything feels good, that preparation is in order. So I don't want to say more than anything else, but anal sex is one of those things where you need to talk about it. You mm-hmm. cannot just let yes. it happen. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, Absolutely not. And we, we were just on the same page when it came to that. And we had lots of really, really great anal sex. And that just opened the floodgates for me to try more because for the first time in my life, I was with a partner who was down to try different stuff. And back then, I would say that, Our very regular anal sex was, how should I put this, maybe the most outrageous thing we did. Other than that, there was a lot of sex outdoors, a lot. (gasps) Like where? So it began one evening when we were out partying. We were both super drunk. We stumbled out of the club and just round the corner of the club, there was this bench and we looked at each other. We just felt like, We really want to have sex right now. And it was really cold outside, but we didn't care. We were drunk and we just like, I sat on the bench. She just sat on me and we had really great sex. Mm. And that experience triggered our desire to just explore having sex outdoors. So we would plan where we could go and where we could have sex without getting caught, but the risk of getting caught was always part of the whole thing because that's what makes it spicy. So highlights are definitely having sex in the woods, in a park, and we would always make sure that there is the risk of getting caught, but we didn't actually want to get caught. Like, as I said, I am at heart an introvert. I don't want people to see me having sex. I don't care if people see me having sex, but I don't plan for it. One very, very, very fond memory and me being a huge film buff, a super nerd, was us being in a cinema and not an empty cinema, but a full cinema. It was sold out and we sat in the last row and had really great sex while the movie was on. I cannot tell you which movie that was. (laughs) I only know that we really had great sex because that experience of being surrounded by so many people and just being between all those people and having sex without anyone knowing was an absolute thrill
0: was she like on your lap or were you just like reaching over to each other or was there a blanket like how did you how did you do it logistically speaking so
1: the thing is last row the seats were placed in a way that, nobody was looking at us directly. So if the people to our left had decided to look to their right, they would have caught us having sex. But <laughs> it didn't happen. And if it did happen, we didn't notice. Wow. So, I mean, we just felt like it. So we started rubbing each other and we kind of just glanced at each other and knew, Okay, this is gonna happen. So. Oh um, <laughs> my
0: gosh, that is so hot.
1: We we just unbuttoned. Obviously, we kept our clothes on. We just yeah. made sure that all the necessary parts were free. And she just <laughs> she just moved over to my seat and moved slowly enough that nobody would realize what would happen, but yeah. fast enough that we really enjoyed it. And um, so we both came.
0: Okay, that was my next question.
1: We both came. We had to clean up. <laughs> and and we just, I mean, by the time we were done, I cannot tell you at what point the movie was. I don't know what movie it was, but we were just <laughs> so focused on enjoying each other that the movie just passed by us.
0: Wow. Oh, wow.
1: We actually didn't do that again because it was just the perfect situation. Yeah. Like we went to the movies together often, but such a perfect situation does not happen very often. Totally. So that was the perfect moment. And we made use of it. I Ugh. have to add, I have had sex in a the movie theater several times after, but it was never full like yeah. that
0: yeah oh my yeah. gosh oh my gosh Ah, so <laughs> wonderful okay going back to doing things outside have you ever been able to do any anal things outside
1: as in like open air or outside
0: just not in the bedroom not with your toys not in you know the non-traditional places i suppose
1: so i i have had anal sex at a sex party but not outside
0: okay i want to hear more about sex parties but i want to hear. The details of your anal pleasures first. So you talked a lot about preparation and communication with your partner. And I wonder if you could just briefly share with us how you like to do it and how you like to enter those conversations.
1: So uh, at this point, it's very nonchalant. It's like my girlfriend will just tell me, hey, listen, tonight or tomorrow, I want you to fuck me up the butt. I mean, she will use explicit language, will tell me what she wants. And that is something that I really love. I like knowing what my sexual partner wants. That really turns me on. Me I, it really turns me on. Yeah. So she'll just usually say, it's been a couple of weeks since you fucked me up Yes. What's up with that? And, <laughs> and <laughs> we'll just make sure that we... Um, so once that's scheduled, it's all about preparation. So she will do an enema beforehand. And then we will take a lot of time. So it's mm-hmm. not like, hey, we're going to have anal sex. I'm going to put my dick up her ass. No, that's yeah, how it that yeah. works. So we really take our time and um, she might maybe sometimes she'll just like right now in this home office situation, she might just maybe like a uh, Friday afternoon, she, she might come over to my office room and say, hey, by the way, I've had the butt plug in for the last three hours. So <sighs> I just know what's going to happen that's because awesome. she'll just signal to me what's going to happen or what she wants. Because for me, it's really, 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 really important that she's 100% into it and that we take our time. So as I said, after the old enema preparation, she might have her butt plug in for a couple of hours or maybe just shortly beforehand. And then we usually start just by having vaginal sex, just to warm up and everything. Then lots of lube. Lots and lots of lube. And then what we usually do is I will just start with the tip and then I will let her control what happens. So I'll let her control how deep I penetrate her. And there's this certain, like, we've been together for years now, so there's not that much communication necessary Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. So at a certain point when she's moving, Up and down the shaft. Like at a certain point, I just know, okay, now it's my turn to move. And then we just vibe off each other as long as we enjoy it.
0: Beautiful. Do you play with your own asshole at all?
1: I do not derive pleasure from having my ass played with. I have in the past had an extremely slutty phase. During that phase, I had one sexual encounter with a woman who was absolutely into eating ass. Mm-hmm. And it, that was one of the first things she told me. Like, we, we met on one of the dating apps. And, and she was like, listen, if we meet, I'm going to eat your ass. And I was like, hold up, hold up. Huh? I, I, I am not sure about that. Because yes. at that point, I had only, like, in, in one of my relationships, just, like, slightly had my ass eaten just a little bit. And it was like, huh? Nah, I felt kind of mad about it, but she was that one sexual encounter. She was so into it. And, and she announced that, hey, listen, when we're going to have sex, I'm going to eat your ass. So I was like, whatever. OK, OK. We met up. We had sex. And she really was into it. And I mean, everyone derives pleasure from something else. So, I mean, I'm not going to judge. You We all enjoy whatever we enjoy, but she was really into it. And while she was eating my ass, I was just lying on my back, legs in the air, thinking like, I'm not really enjoying this at all. This is just not pleasurable for me. I, I, didn't, I didn't have the heart to tell her to stop, so I just let her go at it because I saw how much she enjoyed it.
0: Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor. And they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice, so I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know, the Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people. This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities. All thanks to Flora. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories, so they downloaded Fleur and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection, a shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor app celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Floor now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today.
1: Also, during that slutty phase, I kind of had a hard time saying no sometimes, so I just let it happen, but Mm -hmm. I didn't enjoy Mm -hmm. it. I really didn't
0: enjoy Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm.
1: It's just not for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I hear I hear a willingness to explore and I also hear a willingness to be uncomfortable in you. You know, and I I can recognize that in my own self and also those moments where you're like, I don't know how to about face and get out of this now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what else have you been enjoying? How did you get into BDSM stuff? Walk us through your pleasures.
1: So I moved to Berlin about eight years ago. And the turning point for me in my life to make that decision to finally move to Berlin was my then relationship ending. Mm. And the relationship ended horribly, like really bad. So I just told myself, hey, listen, you are not going to get into a relationship for the next couple of years. You're just going to enjoy me time. Like I just made the decision to spend the next couple of years dealing with myself, my own thoughts, and and developing as a person. And part of that development as a person, for me, was sexual exploration. Up to that point, I had absolutely no experience with dating apps and all that stuff. Because obviously, I was in relationships. Um, It's really important for me to be faithful if that is what one has agreed upon in a relationship. But I just said, listen, I'm going to download all the apps and I'm going to have as much sex as possible. Okay. Berlin is definitely the place to be if that is something that you're looking for. Because Mm -hmm. I made so many experiences just meeting different people, having sex with different people, just exploring my likes and my dislikes. Because I feel... And this is this goes beyond sex in life. We can only know what we like and dislike if we have some kind of experience. I mean, yes. obviously, there are bad things and there are things that we have to dislike by default. But in a realm of what one likes sexually, I feel that exploration is key because I discovered a lot about myself as a person sexually and obviously my likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. So. When I started with dating apps, I more or less just, and and that's why I have to stress, it was an extremely slutty phase. I was more or less just down for whatever.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it was just a lot of no strings attached, just meeting up, having sex, obviously shitty, shitty experiences during that phase, but also like really, really great experiences during that phase. And even though I always say it was my super slutty phase, it's not that I was just, like switching sexual partners on a daily basis or anything, during that phase, that spanned for four years altogether, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there were sexual partners I had sex with over the, the span of a year or yeah. half a year. And then there might have been other partners during that time as well. So mm-hmm. I was never exclusive and I was never in, in a relationship, but definitely various friends with benefits yeah. agreements. And the, the reason I'm mentioning that is In my experience, just having no strings attached sex with one person a couple of hours or a couple of minutes after you've met and then never seeing each other again is, to me, not very fulfilling. Because I feel that sex really gets good when you get to explore each other and having sex once is not enough to explore each other. I mean, you have to find out what does the other person like? What do they not like? And even though I did have sex with many different people, the most enjoyable experiences were with sexual partners I was with for a longer time than just a one-time thing. I definitely got my feelings hurt during that phase. And I definitely hurt feelings during that phase. I just feel that the most fulfilling sex one can have is when, when you really get to explore each other. And so during that phase, I tried, I, I was downward for more or less whatever. So what I do know is that I am hundred percent heterosexual. I think really early on in my time here, I got to know a group of people who were just people from all walks of life, like hetero, gay, and lesbian, everything, and we hung out a lot. And there was this kind of vibe that we were all somehow attracted to each other, because even though I know that I am not sexually attracted to men... I can appreciate an attractive man. Yeah, like,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: So during that phase like one of the guys in that group uh, took an interest in me. So just one evening when we were out partying, he kind of approached me and kissed me and told me that he was really into me and I was extremely flattered. I was really flattered because that's that was a really good-looking guy, but also I knew that I really felt nothing in in terms of sexual attraction. And that was something that I knew at a very, very early point. Uh, During my youth, I also had a phase where I was questioning my sexuality, whether or not I maybe also or exclusively like dudes. But I just realized that the feeling I get when I'm attracted to someone is very specific. And it never happened with men. So I, I just knew for myself and for sure that that was something I didn't have the need to explore more. Yeah. Because this might sound really weird, but when I feel sexually attracted to someone, I have a very specific feeling in my gut region. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. Like if, if I see someone I'm really attracted to, I get this feeling. And mm-hmm. it, it just it just never happened with men. So mm-hmm. I just knew um that was something I didn't um want to explore more.
0: Yeah
1: other than that, I was more or less down for whatever. And I had many different sexual encounters. And one thing with me is also I don't have a type. It's not like yeah, some same. some people will say, hey, mm-hmm. I only like tall people or short people or Attraction for me just works in a way where it's not about physical appearance exclusively but it's also about what type of vibe I have with yes, someone because yes. I have had situations where I have I met someone who like just objectively speaking was super beautiful on yep. a dating app we would go on a date and the first couple of words coming out of that person's mouth were so unattractive to me that I lost all interested. Yep. All interested, even though that person was objectively attractive. Whereas on the flip side, I have had experiences where I just was like, huh man, I'll just go to this date, but I'm not really into it. And then I would meet this person and we were just on the same page. We would just yeah. that would make someone so attractive to me. So the way I work is not not just appearance, but also also how how we how we, how we vibe with each other. I really Absolutely. don't know how to explain it better than that. it's yeah.
0: just the feeling. That's the feeling. I can relate to that so hard. I would like to ask you in this moment, during this slutty phase, mm-hmm. what conversations were you having around health and safety? And how did you keep your emotional self safe as well?
1: So my emotional self, I definitely didn't okay um, keep safe.
0: Well you I heard that you took risks. I also see that you are alive and pretty well today. So it sounds like I think there's something about the risk tolerance and like how did you recover when you got hurt or did hurting?
1: Just telling myself to get over it really mm. there's not that much to it. It was just I mean I had situations where I did realize that I was developing feelings for someone and then the other person would cut things off and I would just avoid self-pity and more or less just hang out more with friends, go to sports more often, just distract myself to get over it. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I have to be 100% honest, during that phase, I did have a a couple of encounters where, and I, I say this fully knowing that I am absolutely not proud of it but where I just let things happen, even though that should have not been the case. Because when I was in my early 20s, I had a pregnancy scare once. Mm. And that situation just taught me to always better be safe than sorry. And I kind of was lacking in that department in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And like in between meeting different partners, I met one woman with whom i had a sexual relationship for several months mm-hmm. and she basically just laid the ground rules and said hey listen i'm going to have sex with other people you're going to have sex with other people always use a condom yeah always make sure that you're safe and i also will always make sure that i'm safe and that just just the fact that we we had this kind of relationship for that time span, just made me really, really insist way more on being safe. Yeah. I mean, the cliche is that it's usually dudes who are like, oh, no, let's not use a condom. But believe me, I had so many encounters where women told me, oh, come on, just leave the condom. Wow. It's it's kind of shocking yeah. because we're all here. We're all having sex with different partners it's really really important to be safe so i have to admit that i was i don't have a spotless resume but especially now nowadays and also back then i usually made sure that we were safe
0: beautiful okay so can you tell us some of the things that you love specifically about your dominant and or submissive self like what lights you up in that realm
1: okay so also i have no idea whether or not this has a little bit to do with my experience when i was a kid like that one experience when i was 11 but back then she was kind of rough like Mm. she sat on my face and and was kind of rough and even though i was confused back then there was this element of pleasure to it definitely So when it comes to being dominant and or submissive, I really can enjoy both. Mm. But what's really important is that I, my partner is into whatever is happening. So, yeah. like, I, I cannot, I, not even that I can't enjoy it, I, can't, I can simply not have sex if I am not 100% sure that whatever is happening is absolutely consensual and pleasurable to everyone involved. And I just realized that I I just enjoy having sex with a sexual partner who really knows what she wants Mm -hmm. and who might at times also just take what she wants. Like Mm -hmm. just that feeling of being used. Yes. I I, I can really enjoy that. Yes. On the other hand, if I know that my partner enjoys being treated roughly. I can also do that, mm-hmm. but it is not that I, uh, I do get aroused, but it's not so much the sexual pleasure for myself, but it's more seeing my partner enjoying me being rough. Yeah. And the way I work, I always need reassurance So if I start choking or something like that, I always need to kind of whisper, is this okay in between, just to make sure that whatever is happening is okay. Because I have had an experience where I was told by my sexual partner that she wanted certain things. She wanted to be treated roughly. She wanted to be choked and slapped. And it turned out that she didn't really know that she wanted that. She just wanted to try it, but ended up not really enjoying it that much. And that experience was really horrific.
0: So it sounds like she didn't tell you until afterwards?
1: Exactly. That experience really stuck with me. I just, in that that moment, just felt like I will never again let that happen.
0: Yeah.
1: So... From that point on, I just made it a point to always just kind of get feedback in between because yeah. I really enjoy talking during sex. Like if, if you could see my girlfriend and me having sex, sometimes we're just having a conversation and having sex at the same time. It's it's like
0: like what kind of like a hot conversation or like are you talking about groceries? Both. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Ooh, I love that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because sex to us is not this thing that we do exclusively to reach an orgasm. It's more or less just that intimacy, just being close to each other. Let's say I come maybe five times out of 10. So it's not like that sex ends with me coming. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Sex ends when we decide that we want it to end and it can go for Five minutes, and it can go for five hours, depending on what
0: mood we're in. How much time you have. Yes, I can relate to that. Beautiful. What other things do you like that we haven't talked about yet? Are there any? Toys, porn, sexting, nudes. So sexting actually is
1: something that I really never got into. Because I don't know whether it's just me being an introvert or... I can honestly say I have sent in my entire life, I have only sent one single dick pic. And that is because the person who I sent it to really got on my nerves and said she wanted to have a dick pic by all means. I was, at some point I was just like, okay, here you go. But I like being in close proximity to someone when getting sexual. So just getting sent, pics and stuff like that. It really doesn't do it for me. Okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. I don't know.
1: I'm not I'm not too much into that. One other thing I am into that I cannot explain. I really cannot explain. I kinda like feet.
0: Ooh say more say more say more. I want to talk to someone who's into feet. I just talked to a woman who's like kind of into some people's feet. What's your version?
1: So my version is that I just really like rubbing massaging kissing feet and i don't know why i'm wired that way but also like during sex i just enjoy caressing my girlfriend's feet and and it's just something that has always been that way like it has just always been in my head for some reason i like feet and it might seem weird to, to some people but That's just how I am.
0: (laughs) Great. Have you ever sucked toes while getting your cock sucked or anything like that? Like a fun foot 69 or something?
1: I have sucked toes on many occasions, but not while getting my cock sucked. Definitely not. 69 is something that I enjoy a lot as well. Yeah, me too. My girlfriend does not at all. So Mm -hmm. it's not on the menu anymore Mm -hmm. because we used to do it very often. Until we had one of our sex talks and she was like, ah, I'm not really into 69.
0: Okay. I was like that for a while because I was like, I just get distracted. I feel like I can't give a good blow job. Like, and then something shifted when I had a partner that basically supported me in being less goal oriented. He was like, don't worry about giving me a good blow job. Your mouth is on my cock. Like, let me just lick you. And, you know, and so that, that actually helped me shift. And now I have had orgasms during 69ing. Like, it's not the most common thing, but just... Yeah. It's like, like that thing you said. Okay. Let's see. Oh, so many. Th- I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I, I just feel like I have so many things I could tell you, but because we haven't, we haven't really touched upon the whole race issue because yeah. I'm a black man and that defines everything I do in my everyday life. Uh, when, I, back when I was 19, I had This one experience, no, 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 I wasn't 19. That was after a relationship. I must have been in my 20s, where again with an older woman who was like just a full blown racist. And she seeked me out specifically because I'm a black dude. And she was really into me, but also said the most racist, vile shit ever. And it was after we got involved that I found out how, how she was wired. After that one experience, I have actually had more sexual encounters where I was targeted exclusively for the color of my skin and obviously various cliches that people want to find out about. So being fetishized is definitely part of my sexual history.
0: Wow. Can you give us a sense of your experience as a black man in Germany? Like because I I know I know some of my friends stories who are Americans, but what's just the felt sense just brief, I know that's a huge question, but so maybe so maybe just like that maybe you answered it as it pertains to your sex life, but if there's anything else to say, I want to give space for it.
1: Okay, so I'll give two answers. So when it comes to my sex life, I can make it short, a lot of expectations of me having a ginormous Mm
0: dick.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, in general, that's a huge topic, but in a nutshell, it's this sense of being other, Mm -hmm. this sense of not belonging. Mm -hmm. And that is something that has followed me my entire life. And... It is something that I've had my difficulties with for a long time in my younger years. And now as an old man, I have found my peace with it. And Mm -hmm. I'm more or less like the way I work is just if you don't like me based on the color of my skin, you are a person I do not want to have in my life. I'll avoid you. You can avoid me and we'll go our separate ways.
0: What do you want to explore that you haven't gotten to explore yet?
1: So, I think the easier question is, what do I not want to explore? Because yeah. I feel that sexually, as well as in general, life should be a journey of exploration, yeah. and learning and experiences. So anything I have not done yet, I still want to do sexually in a sexual context. I mean, for example, like in, in, in my non-sexual life, traveling is a big part for me because I just want to see as much as I want to. Life is short, so I just want to make sure that I don't regret anything, and also, I do not want to regret um, not having tried something sexually. Luckily, um, thanks in part to dating apps, I have been able to explore a lot, but um, let's see, something... So. I think one thing that I still do want to explore is a large, and when I say large, I mean more than 10 people orgy.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. And we still need to hear about your your sex parties.
1: Yes. So because I have, I have explored that because in a world before COVID, there were certain um, regular sex parties. It's not like every sex party is the same. No. So you have yeah. sex parties where there's an older audience. You have sex parties where there's a younger audience. You have sex parties here that are like a regular party. So you will have EDM thumping through the speakers and you can just um, do whatever you like. Uh, I can tell you specifically about the experiences I had. The parties that I went to had this vibe of, you can explore, but you don't have to. So. Um, My first experience, I went with a group of friends because that that was a really cool experience for me because I had my my group to fall back to if I felt uncomfortable. So what we did was we were a group of eight people. We met up, um, had a couple of drinks, and the party had a strict, very, very strict dress code. So Mm. there was not too many clothes. The women in the group had lingerie, and the guys in the group were either in hot pants or just in jeans and topless i had some glitter all over my body and 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 and, and a friend drew a dick on the back of uh, on my shoulder so we went there as a group and it was just a regular party but everything goes and it was a two-story club and there were people from all walks of life all sexual orientations And that first party, I spent most of the time on the dance floor. I was just enjoying myself, just taking everything in, just trying to find out what the rules were, because, I mean, I was I was new to that. I had no idea how everything
0: works. Did they have like a rule list or how did you find out the rules? And was this it was like a big establishment? How did you learn about the party?
1: I mean, there are quite a few of these parties in the city, okay. uh, usually. Okay. So if you're sexually active, sooner or later, you're bound to find, find out. Yeah. Okay. And during that first experience, I didn't have sex, real sex. So I, I basically, um, I ended up making out with a couple of people on the dance floor, but that okay. was it. And I was really happy with that because I just enjoyed that first experience. I yeah. just enjoyed seeing what happened. Like, that, it was such a new experience for me. What I took away from that was I really liked that vibe of you can get involved if you want to, but you don't have to. And what was really significant to me was there was nobody staring. Because even though I don't care being seen, I don't want to be stared at while I'm having sex. So, I mean... I, I don't mind anybody catching a glimpse or whatever, but I don't wanna be stared at. So that first experience just taught me how the rules were, how other people enjoyed sex during those parties. And so I went to a couple of those events and I think that the third time um, was when I myself got involved. I always went with a group of friends that was kind of our security bubble yeah so we would go there together well everybody would explore but we would always get back together just check in with each other in between
0: wait for clarity was this a group of friends where you might fuck each other or were you just just friends that were going to look for other people to fuck maybe
1: no we were a group of friends who were also fucking each other okay
0: cool, cool cool no that's important context though because it's like yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, cool.
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And in that group, it was also really cool that we didn't have any issues with jealousy or anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Every now and then something might flare up because we're all human. But yeah. at the end of the day, we were able to just as a group of friends go to these parties, enjoy ourselves, and yeah, usually go back home together as a group cool. again. So um the first time I got involved was I think the third time we went. There was just uh, this couple that took an interest in me, and it kind of began with uh, them just kind of getting near, getting closer to me on the dance floor. That moved to making out, and then I don't know which one of them, but it was just like, hey, do you want to go to the, the room in the back? And I was like, yeah, I'm game. I was drunk. So uh, I'm kind of ashamed to say, but I was also drunk in order to ensure that I would not have any problems performing as stupid Mm -hmm. as that might sound. And um, so I ended up having sex with that dude's girlfriend or wife. I don't know. We didn't we didn't we didn't exchange details. And it was more or less a room that was cushioned like a bed. And there were other couples. He just enjoyed watching us. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he didn't really get involved. He was enjoying himself. Every now and then he would maybe just touch his wife, girlfriend. I don't know. That was a pretty cool experience because yeah, it was no pressure. It was just, it just felt good. And it was in a surrounding where everyone was enjoying themselves. So I didn't feel like I was, I was in the spotlight. I was just part of this whole fucking going
0: on that's so cool also that that makes me happy for introverts everywhere to hear you describe yourself as an introvert and then to hear this experience for you also i do just want to note you know i hear some judgment in the use of alcohol and i just want to say humans are little machines that figure out how to cope and function and i just want to offer that it sounds like you're doing it fairly consciously and that you have awareness of it now and so you know, I just always want to be really careful of kind of the binary good, bad, because it, it does sound. I mean, here's the thing. Getting a penis to work when you go to a sex club. That's great. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> I think that's great. I think we should celebrate that you figured out how to do it and that you're functioning in your life. So I just want to throw that out there. Also, I need to go to Berlin. Jesus. <laughs>
1: oh, yes, you do.
0: I <laughs> can't wait. OK, so you were in the middle of telling us, though, about a 10 plus person orgy fantasy. Can you continue that?
1: So the thing is, if you go to a sex party, you're surrounded by usually strangers, unless you're there with a group of friends like I was. But it was never a situation where we all were involved in the same room or with the same people, maybe two or three at once, but never as a group. And what I really do want to explore is just a group of not necessarily friends, but people who are familiar with other with each other so not strangers and and at least 10 people just enjoying each other i just have this fantasy of being surrounded by people i i am attracted to i like and 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 us just having sex
0: (laughs) i love that that. (laughs) what overall hopes do you have for your sex life going forward not necessarily specific fantasies but just how do you want your sex life to unfold from here
1: Um, I want my sex life to be as good as it is at the moment, because I am really happy with my sex life as it is now. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. If you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sexual advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say?
1: I would definitely pick myself as an 11 year old and I would tell myself to not just let things happen to me, but to speak up for myself. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. Do you have a sex question for me?
1: I have a question for you. I'm not okay. quite sure that it's 100% a sex question. But...
0: Everything for me is a sex question. So Okay, that's perfect. <laughs> so
1: as I've said many times, I'm an introvert. So I am not really big on social media or presenting myself publicly. And you, um, despite being an introvert yourself, are a very public person that brings attention with it. And how do you handle that attention? That seems so overwhelming to me.
0: It's very overwhelming to me. And what I am learning as our beautiful audience continues to grow is that I am more incredibly shy about being a public persona than I could ever have imagined. But I'm not actually shy about people knowing the things about me. Like there is some part of me that does not mind the idea of sharing all of my vulnerable thoughts and feelings. And what I'm also able to do by anchoring myself in this mission that I really believe in is sort of take the focus off of myself, even though I'm here. What I hope to be doing is to offer permission to people to join me to whatever degree they're comfortable. But what I'm learning over and over again, while it's really uncomfortable sometimes to get some of the strange or rude or salacious or gross reactions from people, is that I am able to stay anchored, kind of like you were saying earlier about anchoring myself to friends, anchoring myself to loved ones, but I'm also weirdly anchored in the connection to a broader community of people. And so while there is a part of me that is like weirded out about walking and talking on a live stream, and that's hard for me, so I keep doing it to practice. I love connecting with people one-on-one. I love hearing people's personal stories. And what I see over and over again is that the more we connect together, the more that actually like the things that I like about being an introvert are like bubbling to the surface, if that makes sense. Like you said, like watching from the edges of the room and like looking for those moments of connection. I'm not the person that can walk into the room and be like, hi, I'm here. Let's get the party started. Although people do expect that from me in a way that I'm just like, but that's not what I am. And so being able to find ways, I think, to celebrate my introvert self and inviting other people into it is what helps me stay anchored. And also, my nervous system is freaking out half the time. And so that's why, <laughs> that's why I invite people to breathe with me before we actually hit the record button. Because I still spin out all the time. And that is, I think, a part of the anxiety that has made sex hard for me my whole life with partners. Because it's scary to let people in.
1: It is. It is. Absolutely. If I was a religious person, I would say you're doing the Lord's work. Honestly. Thank you. I mean, I myself would have never imagined speaking to someone in this kind of public forum, but yeah. your podcast inspired me to want to share, even though I am an introvert, and that is awesome. That means that you're doing something really, really great and important.
0: Thank you. That means so much to me because I feel the same way. I am so strangely shy in many ways. And I think the shares that you have offered us here today are so valuable and so beautiful. And I'm just excited for more of us to keep learning from each other. James, thank you for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. Ah, uh, mm, The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice.